0: It's good to be with you uh, and those of you watching at home. Uh, I think I'm going to call an audible. Uh, I don't do this very often, um, but I'm going to call an audible. Uh, we're not going to be in Luke today. Uh, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 21. Uh, we're just going to look at a few verses, uh, probably going to go a little bit shorter. Um, and to kind of set some context for why I'm doing this, um, it's been a hard week. Uh, for me. Um, it's been... Let's pray and then we'll jump in. <clears throat> father, you hear us, and what a day to be heard. My <sighs> good father. Father, you love your kids, your sons and daughters, you love us. So God, give me your strength now as I seek to preach your word this morning. Lord, would you speak to our hearts? Lord, you care about our tears, you care about our pain, because good dads do. They care about their kids. They see their pain and they enter in. That's exactly the kind of father that you are. And so, Lord, you see us now wherever we're at, whether we're here in person or at home. You see the things that have happened this week, this month, this year. You see the things that we carry into the room today. And Lord, your word speaks to our pain, it speaks to our grief, it speaks to our hearts. Because again, good fathers do that. And so Father, we come to you asking that you would speak through your word, that you would show us the glories and grace of your son. And how you have sought us out through our suffering, through our sin. And you have drawn us to yourself. And so Lord, I pray that you would do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Oof. Sometimes you just gotta cry, you know? This last week, I lost a cousin who was uh, brutally murdered. I lost a friend and a brother in Christ who in the midst of his depression uh, murdered his wife and then turned the gun on himself. And we all lost a Dear friend and sister this week, and Mary Carolyn. In a post Genesis 3 world, there is brokenness, there is pain, and it's real, and it hits us, and it hits us in strong powerful ways. And so the question is, in the midst of the loss, in the midst of the brokenness, in the midst of on a day like this where so many of us have such such joy to celebrate with so many of our fathers, where some don't have that. I saw this morning uh, online a, a sister on social media wrestling with her own relationship with her father and the brokenness that she's seen there, experiencing abuse at the hands of her father, and then wondering, on a day like today, how do I reconcile a redeeming, loving father in heaven and this kind of father on earth? And then how do I even, as a Christian, love that father who hated me with his actions? And today, I'm so thankful for my father, for my grandfather, for so many men uh, who have been loving fathers uh, in the lives of my friends and family members, But we would be amiss to acknowledge, to not acknowledge, that that's not always how it is. That in a sin-torn and stained, damaged world, we need hope. And our Heavenly Father provides that for us in His Son, Jesus Christ. And so the question is, as we enter into these difficult spaces, as we walk through these difficult things in life, What do we look towards? What do we look forward to? Because sometimes when we look back or we look at what's happening around us, there's not a whole lot of hope there. There's not a whole lot of joy there. You see, as Christians, our, our gospel does have present and powerful implications for today. It gives us hope today. But when we think about the story of the Bible and how it begins with our Heavenly Father and his good creation in Genesis 1 and 2, and how he made things to to function in their proper way according to his plans and his good purposes for us. And then after creation, we see the fall in Genesis 3, and really, you know, most of the story of the Bible is showing us the impacts of the fall, the impacts of humanity's sin against God, and and walking away from him, rebelling against his good plans and purposes, and the damage that causes, the pain and the grief and the sorrow that results We come to a a chapter in the Gospels like John 11, and we even see that the Son of God himself weeps over the loss of a friend. He weeps because as the Son of God, as as a man, and also as the creator God, because in the person of Jesus we see God in the flesh. He weeps because he sees the brokenness. Of the world, what sin has done to it. And he grieves loss, even knowing that he's about to raise his friend from the grave. And so Jesus, he shows up on the scene, and he is our Redeemer, he is our present hope. He is the one in whom we can receive forgiveness of sins and and cleansing from any stain of sin. And so there's a very present and real hope that we have right now. But here's the beautiful part as we continue to live as believers in a broken, fallen world where we still experience the impacts of sin and we still grieve loss. It's not where the story ends. It's not over yet. And we see a glimpse of the ending in Revelation chapter 21. So I hope you'll turn there with me. As we look at the end, what we're looking at this morning is, is, okay, in the story of the Bible, we're, we're now past creation, we're now past the fall, we're now past Jesus coming for redemption, and now... In this part of the story, this is the part that hasn't happened yet that Jesus is going to come back to do. This is the restoration. This is the consummation. This is the ending. And friends, there is hope in the ending. And it gives us hope as we look forward to it. Because we're in the midst of a divine drama, of a divine redemptive plan and and don't mistake it, when you look around at your world and you look at your life and you look at the things you've lost and the things that you've been through, this is not all that there is. There is an end coming and it's going to be beautiful. And knowing it's coming gives us strength today. So let's look at it together. Revelation chapter 21, uh, we're going to look at just the first five or six verses here. Revelation is written by John uh, who also wrote the Gospel of John which I referenced earlier talking about Jesus and his friend that he had lost Lazarus. The same John who wrote that chapter of scripture writes this one for us and here's what he says. Jesus has, has shown him visions of what is to come and told him to write them down and here's Here's what he writes for us. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Listen to this part. To the thirsty. I think a lot of us are thirsty today. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. You see, friends, this is how the story ends. It says, God's grand ending, you, you, you know, you, you think about the way movies go. I think about, you know, you, you guys hear me say this all the time. Some of my favorite movies are, are the Marvel superhero movies, you know. And, and I think one of the reasons that they're my favorite is that somehow they have managed to create a universe that has a grand story and plan and you see this story play out over time, and there's joy and sorrow, and there's, there's heroes and villains, and there's good and evil, and, and there's brokenness and healing. And you see all these amazing things play out over the span of movie after movie after movie, and it's all part of a grand story. And here's the thing about grand stories. It's not a grand story if it doesn't have a grand ending, that's what we have in Revelation 21 and 22, is this grand ending to God's story, to our story. John writes for us, and he, he says in, in, in the first verse, he says, then I saw the new heaven and the new earth. You see, our, our conception of, of, of heaven and hell is, is usually a little bit more simplistic than the scriptures is we usually just say, okay, well, there's, there's death and then there's two places and that, that's it for eternity. And, and the, the simple part about that is, is true, that yes, we all have an end. We will all die. And then we will either be with God or not. That's the reality. We either be with God because we've been reconciled to him through our faith and the blood of Christ shed for us. Or we will continue to live life our own way and our own pride, living life for our own pleasure. And we will spend eternity separated from God because God is the one thing we did not want. And God will give us what we wanted, which is forever without him. And it won't be pleasant. And so that, simple, that, that, that simplicity is true. But here's the thing that, that we've sometimes not understood about heaven and earth. Is that one day, the earth is going to be made new. One day, there's going to be a new heaven. And it's not, it's not that heaven is going to be the separate place from earth and, and it's where we spend eternity and then there's earth over here. It's that the new heaven is going to come down. The heaven is coming to Earth. That in the end, the Earth will be renewed and the heavens will come to Earth, and it'll, it'll be this dwelling place where God dwells with man, and humanity dwells with God, and the perfect harmony that—that that if we're honest, we all long for, especially. And days like these where we see so much division, so much strife, so much tension. We long for a day when we're going to be perfectly reconciled to God and to one another. And that's what we see on this day that's coming. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth The first heaven, the first earth, the old ones had passed away. The sea was no more. It says, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Fathers out there who have married off daughters. Do you remember that day? When she was a bride prepared for her husband, and she looked beautiful. Revelation, and John describes the new Jerusalem like this. Jerusalem, throughout the Old Testament, is, is it's the city of David. It's the, it's the city where God's tw- temple was built. It was where you went to meet with God. It was where you went to be reconciled to him. It was where his presence was the heart of the city and the heart of the temple. It was where God's people dwelt in his presence. At the end of days there won't be a there won't be a a temple that you have to bring sacrifices to because the thing about the gospel is that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. And he stood in our place, so that at the end of days, if we've placed our faith in him, then we could dwell in the New Jerusalem, we could be in the presence of God with His people forever. Verse three, it says, "And I heard a loud voice from the throne, God's voice saying. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Don't miss the profound truth in that. Don't just read past it and move on quickly because, because here's what he just said. Right now, we experience, as Christians, we experience God dwelling in us by his spirit. That's profound. It's powerful. His spirit in us is what empowers us to live the Christian life, empowers us to fight sin and to walk forward in hope and faith in the midst of temptation and suffering and and all the things that pull at us. But at the end of days, there's, there's this final sense in which God is going to dwell with humanity, with those who have been reconciled to himself. We're going to be together. And there's nothing, like, like Paul says in Romans, there's nothing that's going to separate us. From the love of God, he will dwell with them. You see, here's the thing. At the beginning of the story, if you go back to Genesis, you you read about God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. This was the plan from the beginning, was for God to dwell with his people in his creation. And God, though, though he entrusted to us a stewardship over creation and, and we botched it, we messed it up, we chose to do with it what we wanted for our own purposes and our own pleasure and we broke it, that we took God's good gifts and treated them dishonorably and rebelled against him. He's he's bringing us together once again. He's going to dwell with us on the new earth. He's going to be with us on the restored earth. He's going to be with us. We're going to be in his presence. And not just are we going to be together, but we're going to belong to him. We're going to be his people. and, And God himself is our God. We'll be together and we will belong to one another. You ever walk through life and you feel like you just don't belong? Sometimes people feel like this in, in their family because there's broken relationships with Parents. On a a Father's Day, sometimes we're even more aware of those things. Sometimes it just doesn't resonate. You don't feel like you actually belong in the one place that you're supposed to belong. Sometimes we feel like that in friendships. Sometimes we feel like that in churches. That's what really breaks my heart as a pastor, is I I know that, that sometimes there are people who feel like they don't belong with the church, even though they love Jesus and they trust him and they want to feel like they belong. They still wrestle with it. There's something in them, there's something in their life that, that just makes them feel like somehow still an outsider. You see, but all those feelings of just not feeling like you, you belong, like this is your spot. The end of days, that's gone to you. The end of days, you will belong. If you run the race, well, by faith, you continue to trust in Christ. You will belong to God, and He will be your God, and, and you will be a part of His people. and it'll feel like home. Because it is. Verse 4 is is one of the most powerful verses in all the scriptures. And it is one that has given me such hope this week. It has been a, a comforting balm for my soul and my heart. Because here's the thing, whenever, whenever you have a family member that's murdered, whenever you see a friend who commits an unspeakable act of evil, Whenever you lose a, a dear sister and saint, you cry. There's tears. And, and the reason we have tears, the reason when we grieve it's so painful is because it's it's a reminder that this is not how it was supposed to be. And the good news of verse 4 here is that it's not how it's always going to be. There's an end to that pain. There's an end to that grief. And God himself cares enough about you and me that he is bringing it about. And he can sustain us till that day. He can give us the hope we need. Here's what it says. John says, he, talking about Jesus, talking about our God, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Fathers, do you remember a, a moment where your child was crying? Maybe when they were little. Maybe they skinned up a knee. Maybe, maybe, maybe they lost a pet. Maybe they lost something Dear to me, that was another thing that happened this last like week and a half. Is the family dog died? So it's like things just hit you right and left, don't they? But dads, do you remember kneeling down, scooping your child up, and wiping those tears away? That's what he's going to do for us. He's going to kneel down. He's going to wipe those last tears away. And you won't have to cry them anymore. They're going to be gone. Because he's not just going to wipe the tears away and wait for them to come again. No, he's going to do away with the things that brought the tears Says he'll wipe every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Can you imagine that? That's hard for us to imagine that death is going to be gone. Because we see death so often in our culture. We try and ignore it. And we're really good at it. (laughs) We try and hide death. Sometimes we, we don't even... Even try to grieve, we try to ignore it entirely, and, and for some, sometimes we can we can do that for a while. But here's the thing: death in a fallen world is always present, and it always catches up to us. But when Jesus returns to restore all things to make the heavens and earth new again, He's going to wipe tears from our eyes and they're going to stay gone because death shall be no more. It's unimaginable, but how beautiful is that? Neither shall there be mourning. There won't be anything to mourn, nor crying. There won't be anything that we need to shed tears for, nor pain itself. Pain will be gone. Gosh, we experience pain on a daily basis of differing varieties and intensities, but we experience it all the time because in a broken world, our bodies hurt, our hearts hurt. We experience physical and spiritual, emotional pain all the time. But on that day, there won't be pain anymore for the former things will have passed away. Verse 5, and he who was seated on the throne, Jesus, seated on his throne, said, behold, I am making all things new. That means, that means everything that was broken, he's going to restore. It means every wrong will be righted. Means injustice will end. Division will end. There will be reconciliation between God and man and between brothers and sisters, children and fathers. He's going to restore all things, he's going to make all things new. And he says, he says to John, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He, he, he said, he, see, here's the thing that Jesus knows. He knows that there are so many words that we hear that we can't trust that aren't true. He knows that there are so many things that we hear that we can't trust in that are false. But he wants us to know and be assured that these words that he's speaking to us here, that he spoke to John, that he's speaking to us now through his word, that they are trustworthy and true, that you can bank on this. You can know this is fact. You can know this is happening. You can know this is coming. Because the same God, who defeated the grave, is coming once again to eliminate its presence entirely. And the reason we can know that is because there's no grave. You won't find his bones. He has overcome the grave. And you can bank on his promises because he's shown you that he has the kind of power that he says he does. His words are trustworthy and true. He says in verse 6, and it, John says, And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, which means the beginning and the end. And he says to the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. And the reason that, that Jesus will give to us the water of life, that we'll have eternal life, and that we don't have to pay a thing for it, is because Jesus paid it all. There's nothing that you or I have to do to come to God except turn to him, except to turn from sin and to receive his grace by faith. The Apostle Paul says, for you have been saved by grace through faith. Faith is just the means by which we receive God's gift of salvation, His gift of forgiveness, His gift of redemption. You don't have to pay a thing. You don't have to pay a thing for this hope. This hope on hard days, this hope in the midst of your tears, this hope in the midst of your pain you don't have to pay a thing for the hope that one day God's going to wipe it all away. Because Jesus said, I'm making all things new. And the one who comes to him, trust in him, trust in his trustworthy and true words, he will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. So are you trusting him today? Are you believing his words? Because friend, there's there's really no alternative. I mean, what else are you going to hope in? Everything else fails us. There is no other hope. There is no one else who is going to do this for us. There is no one else who has defeated the grave. I heard a a christian author she's a pastor's wife and she's written a, a lot of books for for parents and and things that are here are incredible and she said this about jesus and death after she she heard this woman's story of of losing a baby losing a child and she with a tear in her eye just said Christ came to arrest the grave. And he did. He beat it. One day he's going to do away with it. And because we know that, we have hope. Let's pray. Father, you are good. You hear us on hard days. You see our tears. You see our pain. You know our sin. You know our temptations. You know our struggles in life. And God, you don't turn away from us. You turn towards us. And, and one day you're going to wipe those tears away. And Lord, if we trust in you, then, God, already our sins have been wiped away. If we place our faith in you, then, Jesus, you are our perfect sacrifice, the one who has arrested the grave, the one in whom we hope. So, God, help us on hard days. Remind us of these words. Remind us that we have a reason to believe, that we have a reason To have faith that we have a reason to have hope in the midst of hard days. God, I thank you for all the fathers out there. I ask that you would give them strength today and strength for the coming days as they've got a hard task. And Lord, you're a good father and you can show them the way. Give them your wisdom. God, I thank you that even in the midst of broken relationships between dads and their kids, that that you enter in there as well, that you care about that pain, that you care about that separation. And Lord, that one day, even the tears that are shed, even if there's not reconciliation here, God, you're gonna wipe those tears away. And so God, whatever we bring into the room today, wherever we're at, whether we're here or we're at home tuning in, God, we bring you our pain, we bring you our tears because we know that you have the power to do something about them and one day you're going to wipe them all away because you are making all things new. So help us because we're weak, because we're in pain, because we need your strength and we need your grace to finish the race well by faith. So God, help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.